This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Stephen Pesavento. And for as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. All right, guys, welcome to the Investor Mindset Podcast. I have Greg Hall back here, and uh, I'm really excited to be spending some time talking with Greg because Greg's a personal friend of mine. Uh, I have known Greg pretty much since right after I got started in real estate investing myself. We're kind of running down parallel paths out here kicking butt. Really excited to be talking about about, uh, mindset and investing with Greg. And so a little bit about Greg. He has seen some big success early on in his career. He comes to us from Monroe, New York, but originally that's where he was living, but now he's living out in Southern California, enjoying the beach life and everything that comes with it. He's a uh, virtual wholesaler, a lot of good experience there, flipping houses virtually as well. And he got started in this business at age 20 and has built himself into being just a sales expert. He's coached my team. He coaches a lot of other sales teams, has worked with the great John Martinez, which if you do anything in real estate investing, you've definitely heard the name. So, uh, you know, early on, he had dreamed about playing hockey professionally, and then that opportunity passed. Fortunately for us, he ended up getting to move towards the real estate investing side. So, Greg, with that said, I just want to say thank you for being here. I'm grateful to call you as a friend. I'm really excited to dive into your story. So my favorite question right here. So if we look back at your life, what or events or influences from your childhood shaped who you are today? Yeah, absolutely. Great question uh, and great to be on the show, Stephen. It's, it's been nice getting to know you over the last couple of years and uh, been able to you know, help your team out with some of the sales stuff and, and you know, always you know, check in with you from time to time. So uh, really, in terms of that, um, I, 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 so you mentioned in my bio there hockey. So I, I, I actually started playing hockey when I was very young, um, but, but I turned around and I stopped playing for a while and I got into skateboarding and snowboarding and more kind of the, I guess, individual sports, um, you know, probably from age 10 to 15. And then once I was 15, I wanted to play hockey again. So I actually, you know, got back into that and got committed um, and, and started taking it seriously again. So I had a lot to, to catch up on, but I kind of got there uh, quickly. Um, so really it was my journey to try to play in the NHL. I, I um, turned around and I kept, you know, after college or not after high school, I, I didn't go to college right away. I went up to the Massachusetts area, uh, the Boston Metro area, and I played junior hockey up there and um, learned a lot and had a lot of struggles up there. And uh, my first time moving away from home and um, it was a tough time. I mean, I, I really, I didn't do as well as I wanted to do. And um, I think when you're the New Yorker up in Boston, it can be a little interesting with, with, kind of how people perceive you. Um, so that, that, that experience playing hockey uh, up in, in Boston was, was a really so you, good learning lesson. For me. So you actually left home. How old were you when you left home? 18. So you were 18. You left home. You're going after this dream of being a professional hockey player. And what happened? It sounds like, uh, it, sounds like it didn't work out the way you were hoping to. What, uh, what happened there and what did you learn from it? Yeah, man. So basically, long story short, I... I, I worked really hard, you know, and I, I put in the work, I trained a lot, but I wasn't working very smart. And my main issue, and it's the theme of the show is my mindset wasn't there, right? My mindset, my confidence was affected by other mm. people. I had a lot of just, just mindset problems and I was overthinking things. 
And um, I would start really good. Like I'd start every season very, you know, good. And I was in the first line and et cetera. And then a couple, you know, just, just mistakes I'd make, it would just screw my confidence up. And then all of a sudden I'd be on the fourth line getting scratched and everyone would think I suck. So um, it just was like a downward spiral. So, so that experience um, taught me a lot about, you know, working hard versus working smart and uh, really getting your mind right. Because before that, I never read any books. I never, you know, was into personal development. I just kind of naturally always like to kind of hustle and work hard. Yeah. So it sounds like maybe you realize something else there that, that, that maybe you didn't even touch on. Once a mistake happened, once something went wrong, it was almost as if that spiraled you out of that confident state that state where you're going in there, you're just going to kick butt, you're going to do it, you're going to be on the team, you're going to make all the goals and dreams happen. And then, you, you know, you'd get punched in the face, as they say. And yeah. you're like, oh, I don't know, can I really even do this? And as soon as you lose that confidence, things really start falling apart. Is that, is that, uh, is that accurate? It's a hundred percent accurate. It's the, it's the feedback loop. And, 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 you know, I would just, I would go and I would struggle. And then all of a sudden it would, it would, like you said, it would hit my confidence and then all of a sudden, I didn't think I was good enough. I didn't think I was worthy enough. And then, you know, I would believe other people, oh, you're not that good. And I, it just, it was a tough time for me, man. I was very lost, very lonely, um, didn't know what to do. I was questioning myself because mm-hmm. I was the one not in college trying to play hockey and live the dream. And everyone thought I was crazy. And I ended up taking that up to Canada and uh, made a, a junior A team. I played up there for like a couple of weeks, wow. actually. It was pretty cool, but I ended up getting cut from that. Um, and I had to kind of just pack it up. <laughs> so, so what have you done? I mean, you got punched in the face pretty hard. Your identity was hockey. It was yes. hockey, hockey, hockey. That was who you exactly. believed you were. Yes. I am Greg and I'm a hockey player and I'm going to go and do these things. 100%. What have you done that's, that's allowed you to kind of overcome challenges? Because I, I 100% know as a real estate investor, you're getting punched in the face all the time. What, <laughs> what, what are you doing now that's, that's different? Yes. Very good question. So my identity, identity is so important. Um, you know, there's a great book called psycho cybernetics talks about your self image and, and, you know, goes into detail on that, but basically, so my identity was a hockey player and that's all I really knew. Right. So I, that's all I really kind of knew. And that's what I thought it was. So when I had to make the shift, you know, I, I had to switch from, I'm a hockey player to, and I didn't know what I wanted to be. Right. I didn't want to be, I wasn't a real estate investor yet. So to, to improve my identity, to, to answer your question, what I had started to do was I started to get into personal development. I started to read books. I started to understand how the mind works. I started to learn from other people. I started to listen to podcasts, like some stuff we're you know, recording now. I would listen to shows like this. Um, and I would just be a little bit more aware of kind of what I was doing every day. Um, and this is even before real estate. I was just more curious. I wanted to you know, find a way to, 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 to make some money because I was very broke at the time and didn't know what that was going to be. So in order, I just, I, I wanted to really just start to study more and, and accumulate a little bit more knowledge in my brain because, you know, I think a lot of people are trained, go to school, get a job and there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, I think when you can get into self-education and you, you, you want to seek the knowledge and you want to read those books, you want to listen to those podcasts, you want to listen to those audiobooks, that's when you're going to start to see your mindset change. And once the mindset changes, then your identity can start to change because the more you do that type of stuff and the more information you have, the more you start to believe that you can do the things because that's what the trainings are telling you. And as long as you're taking action, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I started to really get into the books and the knowledge stuff uh, about four years ago now. That's some powerful stuff right there. Really underline that if you're, if you're listening to this. I know I just took some notes on that. I'm just scribbling down notes like crazy over here. Uh, it's as soon as you start soaking in some new information is when you can actually start believing that there's something different. So you got to the end. 
of your hockey career, you're in a gap. You don't know what's next. You don't have a new identity. Uh, a lot of stuff's unclear. Let's fast forward. What, uh, what are you doing right now? Uh, obviously, you're a real estate investor. What do you focus on? What do you spend 90% of your time doing? <laughs> Great question. So, so right now today, uh, I own a company called Velocity House Buyers. So, so we buy and sell properties in two different markets, uh, New York and the Hudson Valley area where I'm from. It's about an hour north of Manhattan. Um, and we also buy down in Dallas, Fort Worth and a little bit in Austin, Texas. We've done a couple properties down there. So our main strategy is going direct to seller. We're not buying listed properties. And right now we're doing two exit strategies. We're doing um, wholesaling, which is very common. We can, I can explain what that is if the listeners don't already know. And uh, we're also doing, we're, we're buying properties and we're either doing light rehabs or we're just doing something called wholetailing, which means we're just cleaning out the property and we're listing it for the as-is value. But instead of wholesaling it to an investor buyer and selling the contract, we're taking title, we're putting it on the multiple listing service, and now we're having the whole market you know, make bids at our properties. So we're doing those two types of strategies now in the New York and the Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas area. Absolutely. So you're living in Southern California. Yeah, you're in Southern California. Yeah. You're going surfing, you're living the life. Yeah. yeah. You're in one of the most competitive real estate markets in the world, and you're still able to do this stuff remotely. How, you know, how do you go about doing yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, the remote thing. It's, I, I'm glad you brought that up too, because it's something that I, I didn't start going virtual really until um, hmm, last January, so January of 2018. And I was really interested in going virtual because I wanted to move to California after college, and I knew I had to go virtual in order to do that. So I actually, you know, with the virtual investing, the, the key is you got to have a good boots on the ground team, um, mm -hmm. whether that's uh, employees or whether that's JV partners. But what I've found is that if you're good at one thing, and um, in this business, there's really like two or three things that if you're good at, you can make money all day long and you can have somebody else do those other things. You can just kind of focus on, on what you you're best at and then have somebody else do what they're good at. So an example of that would be, I'm, I've gotten pretty good at generating leads over the last couple of years through marketing and experience. And I've also gotten pretty good at selling and negotiating and stuff and doing that over the phone. So I realized that if I can generate leads in areas um, and do it effectively and, and, and close business over the phone, um, I, I can partner up with somebody um, in another market and, and they can turn around and they can deal with all the stuff that I don't want to deal with, like going to the house, selling a property, dealing with inspectors, dealing with contractors, dealing with all the stuff that I just don't really like very much. Um, and I can bring value to that other. And the key is bringing value to that other person you're going to partner with, whether that's an employee, how can I bring value to this employee? Mm -hmm. Or is it, how can I bring value to this person I might partner with? Like, what are they getting from me that's valuable? And what am I getting from them that's valuable? So long story short, I had a deal in Dallas and, um, you know, it was really good lead and the, the, the seller actually wanted to meet with me. And I met a guy, um, in Texas, I'm in a group called investor fuel and it's based out of there. And I called him, I said, Hey, um, I got this property, you know, she wants to sell at this price. Can you just go to the house and tie it up and we'll split the profits? He's like, sure. So call him up, you know, she goes there, he signs the contract. We wholesale the deal for like 18 grand. I never saw the property. I was like, holy crap, this is crazy. And then the next week I would get to another deal. $30,000 assignment fee, never saw the property, never met the seller. And I was like, oh my God, I'm onto something here. So then it just kind of went from there and started doing more deals. So it's really finding the boots on the ground and having somebody you can trust in that market who knows what they're doing. Yeah, that's, that's a huge part. I mean, I'm a, a virtual investor as well. I live in yeah. Denver and invest in yeah. a couple other states. And that is yeah. the key. You got to have a good team. And I, I like the way that you, you went about finding a partner, somebody who has already got the experience and is already doing yeah, that's a piece of the business 
but you're able to add a lot of value. So obviously you are a killer salesperson. If you're, if I was paying you a bunch of money to train my salespeople, <laughs> uh, even though I'm virtual. And uh, so tell us like looking back, you got started. How many years ago is that Greg? That was so like in virtual deals or just in all, deals all in together in real estate. About three and a half years ago. It was about three and a half years ago. So yeah. three and a half years you have built a virtual wholesaling business. You've bought properties yes. locally. You've started training and coaching on sales. You read about a billion books. I'm curious to hear how many. <laughs> I like reading. Yeah, it's uh, fun. So let's take two steps back. How did you go about learning this stuff? Uh, how did yeah. you go about understanding how to be a killer salesperson, go out there and, and add value to other people's lives? Absolutely, man. Great question. I, I want to tell the listeners something I wish I learned the first day I got into this type of stuff. And it's basically like your income is in direct proportion to the skills that you have. The only way you're going to get make money is because you can provide value in the marketplace. So the only way you can provide value in the marketplace is to have skills that are tangible. And I found out through books and asking people questions, a very valuable skill. And if you learn the skill that you'll never be hungry is, is learning how to sell stuff. So I made the decision after, so let me take this back one more step. Before I got into all this negotiating and training and marketing stuff, I said the number one skill I need to learn before I get into sales and negotiating is time management. So I, I studied and I bought a course, Darren Hardy's course called Insane Productivity on how to manage my time well. And I read books on the subject and I started to get very good at structuring my day and managing my time to be effective and to be productive. After that, I asked myself the question, and it's all about asking yourself good questions. What skill do I need to learn to increase my income? Brian Tracy talks about this in detail in all of his books. It's sales. Because if you know how to sell, you can you know, consistently put yourself in front of prospects, and you'll know if they're closable or not. So I started studying this stuff like crazy. I got connected with John Martinez. I joined his training program. I made the decision I was going to study this stuff for an hour a day, no matter what, six days a week, and I would keep track of it on my little sheet here. And I started studying this stuff like crazy. And then I would go out and go to sales calls and I would fall on my face and I'd record myself and I'd write the questions down. And I started to get very familiar with this stuff because I would just put so much energy into it. And then I started getting better results. And then I worked with John and then he kind of took me under his wing a little bit and taught me some stuff. And then I, it's basically long story short, studying and understanding the more skills you can learn, the quicker you're going to be able to make money in this business because if you can generate leads and close business that's closable, you'll always be able to do deals no matter what. So it, it was the skill, the skill set part. And I would study the stuff and I still study the stuff. Like it doesn't like ever end, you know, it's like you can't take a shower one day a week and expect to not smell. You got to shower every day in order to be fresh and clean. So, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that analogy. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's so true. I mean, so you've, you've built this sales skill over time. I mean, I've, I've spent, time with you face to face and in the middle of a conversation using the same lines that you'd be using with a prospect because at the end of the day sales is communication and communication is key to life so if you're out there selling you're really just understanding what people want and finding out a way how can you give it to them and you're kind of testing and checking and confirming so if somebody was gonna go down the same path greg you've already cut your teeth you've already you've already done this and you're teaching people to do this. What, what, what would you tell them to skip and what would you tell them to focus on? Yeah. Um, so sales wise or just in general, specifically sales. Okay. I love that question. Cause I love sales. It's such a good skill to learn. And once you learn it, you're like, 
it's just like, it's like, oh, I have this skill now that is like, you can never take it away from me. And I'll always know how to go out mm-hmm. and, and sell something if the prospect's qualified. Number one thing with sales, and this is something that, you know, I hear a lot too, is you need to understand the two types of prospects. There's people you can help and there's people that you can't help no matter what you do. So you can't say the right thing to the wrong person. And then that's the biggest thing. Cause if you can learn, this is an issue I made in sales. I learned the system. I got pretty good at it, you know, but I was still meeting with people who I just could, no matter what I did, they were, I was not going to be able to add value to them and they would burn my confidence. Cause I was like, I tried all these sales tactics. It didn't work, but it was just the prospect was not a fit. So first thing you just need to understand what's the criteria for you to have the, it either be a prospect or a suspect, something that Gary Keller talks about in the millionaire real estate investor. Once you can identify prospects now, when it comes to sales is you need to be, you know, that's it's such a complex subject, but to sum mm-hmm. it up into a couple of different things, it's you need to really be a good listener and you need to understand how to get people to trigger, how to get people to tell you specific information. And the better you can get at getting people to trigger specific information, and there's so many ways you can do that, and there's so many advanced ways you can do that, the more the other person is going to be talking, the more information you're going to be getting. And then the easier it's going to be for you to try to solve their problem based on what they told you. So the better you are at getting the prospect to reveal information that was already inside them, it wasn't hiding anywhere, like it was already there. Mm-hmm. The better you get at getting them to, to get, give you that information in a sales interaction, whether it's on the phone or whether it's in person, you're going to be able to have more effective sales calls. And, and two ways you could do that is you can get very good at asking specific questions, like mm-hmm. impact questions. How's that situation impacting you? What's that causing you to do? Picture perfect questions. Hey, if you didn't have to deal with this problem, what would you be able to do? Mm-hmm. You know, and you're creating this gap of where the prospect is to where they could be. And then your product or service is going to bridge that gap. And the third thing with sales is not, and oh, it's, it's always having a next step, no matter what the sales situation is in our industry. These are not one-time sales a lot of time. They're, they're, you know, this is a big house. It's expensive. There's decision makers. There are complex sales. There's attorneys involved in New York. So you got to always have a specific next step. So, hey, today we're going to talk about this. At the end, one or two things is going to happen. If it's X, we're going to do Y. If it's Y, we're going to do X. So always leave a sales call knowing what's going to happen next. And sometimes it's going to be, hey, what's going to happen next is I'm going to close this file and we're not going to talk anymore because I don't think I can do anything to help you. Or the next thing we're going to do is we're going to have chit chat. You're going to talk to your husband. We're going to speak tomorrow at three o'clock and then we're going to decide whether it makes sense to make an offer or not. So always know the next step, understand how to get good information and understand how to sift through, you know, basically Gary Keller calls prospects and suspects and only talk to the prospects. So it really comes down to qualifying and then knowing how to qualify that person really kind of get deep into that. Yeah. Knowing how to qualify them. And I think a lot of industries and companies, it's very different on how they might want to qualify. Um, you know, some people like to go on every appointment possible. Some people only want to go on an appointment if they hear a little bit of pain. So there's really so many ways you can qualify, but just understanding and having your own process for qualifying is probably a really just key thing you want to have if you're trying to sell anything, because you're going to, you know, Brian Tracy, a guy I've just been studying for years now, he's like, the secret to sales is to spend more time with better prospects. Right. It's such a simple line I just said, but it's like, if you just take that, spend more time with better prospects, that will solve a lot of your sales problems. Simple. So simple. Simple. It's so simple. Sometimes <laughs> things don't have to be complicated people. No, nothing. The simpler, yeah. the more likely you're going to apply this stuff anyways. Exactly. It's a key. Just simplify everything and, and do that simple thing over and over again and track it. <laughs> so, you know, there's a ton of myths 
when it comes to sales, Greg, and I'm sure you hear about all of them all the time. I know as a salesperson myself, I get hammered when people don't like calling themselves a salesperson. I'm interviewing and they're like, I don't really like to call myself a salesperson. I'm more of an advocate or I'm more of this or I'm more of that. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. As a salesperson and a teacher and a trainer, um, you know, is sales really all about closing and pushing for the contract? Um, no, I mean, not really. So it's all about like doing the best thing for that prospect. Um, so I think a lot of the times people, you know, if you have the right conversation with the seller, the best thing is for them to sell your house. But really when it comes to closing, you want to make sure that if you're, when you're dealing with a prospect, it's their idea to sell. They want to do this. It's got to, they almost have to volunteer to want to sell the house to you, but the better you are understanding how to get the right information out, the more times they're going to do that. You're going to be surprised with people like, Hey, I'm ready to sign the contract. And you're like, didn't even ask them, but yeah, I'm ready to sign. Like, Oh crap. I guess I did something right here. So I think it's all about getting to the truth. So, so at the end of the day, Getting to the truth could mean one of two things. Mr. Prospect, you know, you told me this, you told me that, I can help you with this, I can help you with that. Um, what would you like to do? Or Mr. Prospect, after talking, you know, it sounds to me like there's really not much we can do to help you here. These are some of the things we can offer to you. It sounds like none of those things really matter to you. And if you did these other things here, that's probably better for you. So it's really all about getting to the truth and then getting a, a clear decision on whether that file can either move forward or whether that file can get closed. So in terms of always be closing, I don't know if I would agree with that because, you know, you could quote unquote close somebody. And then if it wasn't the thing that they wanted to do, they're going to call you up and they're going to try to cancel the contract. And, you know, that quote unquote close is now going to be just a, you know, a, some, some attrition and now you're going to get your time wasted. So the key is just getting to the truth and the better you are at selling, the, the easier it's going to be to get to the truth. Yeah. The intent behind always be closing is that you want to be driven. You want to be going after opportunities and not be afraid yeah. when you get a no, because you're going to get a lot of them. Lot. At the end of the day, it's really about helping that person understand what they really want and helping them get there. And if you believe in your product, of course, you're going to be hoping to walk them down the path in order to yeah. get them to the point of them saying yes, because you really believe that it's going to make a difference in their life. And so exactly. there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I personally, I think, and, and I'm sure you feel the same. I think sales is like one of the most rewarding jobs out there. There's a reason why salespeople get paid dramatically more than most other careers. And a big reason for that is because you're delivering so much value. Making decisions is so hard for people of all yes. levels. <laughs> and some of the most successful people are the most decisive. They make decisions very quickly. They stick with them uh, or they change them if they need to. But a lot of times when you're sitting with a prospect, we really need to help them get to that point of being able to say, yeah, you know what? This is what I need. This is what I want because they're, they're right on the, the edge of the cliff and they're ready to jump. They're ready to go with you, but they need some compelling reasons. I know I've been in situations where I wish someone would have sold me better. Yes, yeah, right. I was like, I wanted to buy, but you needed to help me get those reasons. Yeah, so I could exactly. justify it logically because emotionally I wanted it, but I just couldn't. I just couldn't justify it. That's it, man. You hit it right on the head there. It's 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 the better you are at communicating, and like people think it's always like, what's the magic clothesline, and let me sneak this clothes under their feet and pull the rug underneath them. It's not like that. It's like the more information you can pull out of the prospect, it's just going to be easier to get them to make a decision. If you know, like I'll give you an example. There's been properties that I've bought in where the sellers were just in a complete quagmire. They needed to sell the property like, or else they were going to be in serious trouble. And like I bought the property 
And like, they were so happy. I was able to help them because they, they were yeah. embarrassed about their situation. They couldn't believe it. You know, and, and like, I, you know, they were so grateful for us and, and like, I don't want to beat on my chest, but like we were able to go in and help that person. Did we make a profit? Absolutely. But like yeah. that person needed our help and I was able to deliver my services of buying their property through an effective conversation, which then led to a sale, which led to them getting help, which led to the co- company making money. So it's like, it's like a big, you know, machine, <laughs> you know? It is. I, I, so underline a couple, couple key mindset strategies and tips here. One, selling is good. People need to be mm-hmm. sold. People need Very that good. help. And so when you're out there selling uh, or just communicating with anybody because sales is communication, uh, yes. you're, you're doing that person a favor. You're helping them get there. You don't need to be pushy. Sometimes people need to be pushed. Uh, but for the most part, you're just helping them answer questions that maybe they haven't been thinking about. The other big thing that I'm taking away from this, Greg, is to just be an insatiable learner. Just really drive towards constant, never-ending improvement and kind of going after some things. So really thank you for sharing that. So I want you to think back on your life or in your investing career. Tell me about a time that you failed. Tell tell me about a time that you hit a big challenge or you really screwed things up. I mean, I got a ton of examples. I want to hear... What, uh, where'd you screw things up, Greg? Tell me a little oh, about man. it. Oh man, there's so many, like just little, like, like just ones that like they stung in the moment, but now looking back, it's like, oh, that was a good lesson. So I'm going to talk about one that, that it wasn't a quote unquote loss, like in terms of a financial loss, like I've lost money marketing. I've lost tens and thousands of dollars and I've sent direct mail with the wrong phone number and I've done all that stuff. But I'll tell you about one that was really, uh, it, it just stung pretty bad. And it was basically, so I had a property I was buying. This was last summer. I originally got this lead this third month I was ever in the business. So I put out a bandit sign back in the day in New York. And this guy called me and long story short, a lot of decision makers, very hairy title property, but he wanted to sell because he didn't pay his taxes and he lived all the way upstate. So basically I made him an offer. This is like when I was brand new. I had no idea what I was doing made him an offer. It was insanely low. The guy took it for some reason and he couldn't sell because the property was in the court system because there was like a minor involved and there was a trust and it was this whole crazy thing. So basically he's like, Hey man, I'm going to have to hire a lawyer and the lawyer is going to work through this. And then once it's worked out, I can sell you the property. So I followed up with this guy for two years, two years. And the property just kept going up in value. It was right by New York city. It's 30 minutes outside the city. Um, so long story short, Last summer, you know, the thing comes out of this legal situation. The guy's able to sell the property to me. Um, you know, would have been, you know, was buying the house for 170 grand. Got the lawyers involved, ready to go. Turns out on that property, and this would have been like life-changing deal, like $100,000 plus, probably $150,000 plus net profit on this thing. Could have wholesaled it for easy, like big wow. time deal. That's why I would follow up with this guy because I knew this was like a, this is a home, home run. Turns around. Guy's like, yeah, I want to sell. Gets the lawyer involved, get the contract going. And I didn't know this is me not doing my homework. I didn't know what basically happened was because the property was in a trust and the beneficiary of a trust was a minor. And this is some legal jargon. I'm not an attorney, but the trust beneficiary was a minor. Therefore, his guardian who had the right to sell the property, which is the guy I was dealing with because I did my homework on him, had to do what was in the guy's fiduciary responsibility Therefore, could not sell the property. I sound like an attorney yelling in court. 
could not sell the property for below what the property was worth. Therefore, the court had to turn around and get this thing freaking re-vetoed and stuck it on. I had to force the sale with a, with a realtor. So I had the property under contract for, I was going to get it under contract for 170 turned around, had to hire a realtor. They sold it for 350 without doing anything. And almost $200,000 profit just got evaporated right there. So um, that was painful, man. That was a big blow. I was very upset about that. And, um, wow. Well, I mean, what was the impact of that? Have you been working on that deal for two years? Two I'm sure you plus know years. a lot. Two plus, yeah. A had lot the financing, of- had the capital raised. I had the whole thing ready to roll. Like cat private lenders sold them on his deck. Cause he, I showed him the numbers. He's like, Oh yeah, I'm in 12%. Come on. And, uh, had everything lined up and the whole thing just went down the shambles and, um, the attorneys weren't very nice about it and just was a big blow, man. And I, I, I didn't lose money on that situation, but it just really got me thinking like how important persistence is like, cause that stuff is going to happen. There's going to be challenging situations, especially if you're in the business that we're in with trying to buy and add value and change things that, you know, need to be changed. It's, you're going to run into stuff like this all the time. And now I'm very used to it. Um, but that was a really big blow. I just was very defeated and felt like I waste my time and, felt like the court system screwed me and you know, but yeah, that was, that was a painful one, man. So, um, yeah, I, I, I bet it was painful. I've had some situations where, where that kind of stuff has come up. Walk me through what you were thinking at the time. All of a sudden you realize I thought that I've already cashed the check, but I, my head, the money's already in the bank. Totally. What were you thinking at that time? Were you like, Hey, I'm going to give up. I, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Maybe I got to like stop messing with stuff in New York because they got these crazy rules or. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was thinking like, man, like, you know, why my first reaction was, why didn't I think about this earlier? Like, cause it's a legal thing. Like, so I'm like, why didn't I like ask questions about this? Like within the two years I was following up, I was like, Oh, is it worth it in New York with these attorneys? you know, is it worth, you know, going after these types of properties? Is it like, I just was kind of questioning myself. And then I was like, man, like I, it just, I just felt like almost like embarrassed. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, man, like that, all the effort, you know, the, the, the investor, like, what does this investor think of me? I'm bringing in this deal. And now all of a sudden we can't buy it because of the title issues. What does he think of me? What does a guy that I might partner with think of me? Cause I was telling him about the numbers. I was just kind of embarrassed. And I was just like, you know, it was just very, um, I just didn't feel very good about it. And I, I knew that this was a, a good test for me though. I, I reframed that, you know, like Tony Robbins says, like life happens for you, not to you. 100%. And I was like, you know, this is a good lesson for me. I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to get better at doing my homework. I'm going to make sure like, you know, Chris Voss always says, yes is nothing without how I get this thing tied up before I go raise the capital. And um, at the end, I actually got excited. I'm like, that's right. I passed the persistence test again. Screw you, you know? And I went out and freaking did a bunch of more deals and, you know, here we are. So, so I, I went after that and started buying more properties. I went on like a, like a rampage after that, you know, so, was just marketing crazy. So you used it, you used it, you, you, you took that tool yeah. off the shelf and you felt that pain. You felt that yeah. awful feeling inside of being like, wow, I, I thought I had this. Uh, yeah. What, yeah. What's wrong with me? Why did I not do that? But you didn't, you didn't stay there because it sounds like no. hockey Greg would have stayed there. And hockey Greg would have got knocked down a couple more pegs or maybe thought about giving up. Yeah. But new Greg, the uh, sales killer Greg, if you will, <laughs> thought about it for a second and said, hey, well, that money's already made. I, got, I just got to go find a couple more deals. 
That's it. After it. It's part of the game. I think that's a big thing like this. I love, I love how this is called the investor mindset. It's because, I mean, this is something I like, this is something I want to tell us. Like every time that stuff happens, like it's literally like, I'm not like crazy spiritual person, but like, I'm just like, I feel like the quote unquote real estate gods are testing you to say, are you serious about this business? When I sent the wrong direct mail campaign, had the wrong phone number, when I was handwriting letters in my car, like, are you going to do what it takes to be successful? Because it's not like you have to do it, but a lot of the times, if you don't have a lot of money in the beginning, you have to kind of do it because you don't have any money. But the more you can blow through those obstacles and realize like you're getting tested right now, if you can just have that long-term perspective and understand that's temporary, and in two years, this is going to be way worth it when you can quit your job, you don't have to worry about money it's so worth it, right? So you have to persist through those obstacles because they are going to happen and that's what separates the best from everyone else. Like you go to these seminars, there's a million people in there. The minority of people make money because they do not persist and they don't learn the skills. They don't persist. They don't have the right mindset, but everyone can do it. You just have to have the right mindset going into it and you'll be successful. That's so key. I don't think anybody could say it better than you, Greg, of course. Thank you. That's awesome. So I think that leads directly into this, Greg. I mean, you, you just hit it right on the head with persistence why do you believe that you succeed when all these other people fail? What, what is it Uh-oh. that you do different other than persisting? Because you're obviously out there, no matter what happens, you're going to get back up on that horse and you're going to keep riding. You're going to keep yeah. doing it no matter if they change the rules or they change the law or the deal doesn't work or the attorneys fall through. Yeah. What else? If you persist, um, what else are you doing? Yeah. I mean, I, this is something that I, I didn't, um, it's like kind of like, it's like a long answer, but like, I'll, it'll all make sense. So like, I didn't know I liked this business as much as I liked this business until I like, I actually, so I had this, I had a certain goal last year. I hit it very early and I did all this virtual cool stuff. I'm living in San Diego, et cetera, et cetera. And I felt very empty. And I like, was almost like I, I moved out here. I didn't do anything for like a couple weeks. I just would like sit around and go to the beach and do nothing. And I felt very weird. And I didn't, and it was, it was because I wanted to hit a certain monetary goal. And once I hit this monetary goal, I was like, oh, I'm like, I'm the man, you know, like, look at you, you set goals and achieve them, you know, pat yourself on the back. And I, I, I had this weird association with money and it was kind of directly tied to my ego and it was bad. And, you know, I'm going to make more social media posts about this because I learned a lot from it. But I actually, to answer your question, I, I am actually passionate about this business, right? Some people aren't passionate about houses. I, I like being able to go in I think it's fun. I think it's like a game. It's like you're playing Monopoly in the real world. And I'm going to start getting into bigger deals as I grow and, and getting into more commercial properties and, and rezones and value adds and apartments, stuff like that, because I want to always keep growing. I like this stuff. I think it's fun. It doesn't really feel like work to me. There's, certainly, there's things in this business where it's not very fun, and it's, it, but you have to do them. You can have a teammate do that or you know something. But I actually like this stuff. I think it's fun. I think going out and building wealth, adding value, improving neighborhoods, you know, like doing that's, I think it's fun for me. So like, for me, it's almost like, you know, work and play is, there's not a very, you know, big line between the two. So I enjoy this stuff. I I get up every day. I I look forward to, you know, working and achieving my goals and doing deals. So I think between persistence and passion, I I actually enjoy it. You know, I I think money wise, I mean, some of the most successful rich people they still work like crazy, like Tony Robbins, the guy will never have to work again. He's never had to work a day in his life since he was like probably 30. And he works like crazy because he loves what he does, right? And the money is just this part of the scorecard. It's a measure of how much value you've produced. So I'm passionate about this business. I like this business. I think the sky is the limit in this business. And if you can combine the passion with persistence, 
it, you're going to see that over time, the more skills you develop, you're going to really enjoy this business and you're going to thank yourself, you know, for getting involved and struggling in the beginning and struggling throughout your career. Cause you know, it's not all sunshine and rainbows for me. There's problems that happen all the time. Right. But I'm just a little bit more used to dealing with them now. Yeah, that's, that's so true. Money can be a great driver. Money can do so much for us. Money is yeah. in business. It's the scorecard. But at the end of the day, the end of the day, money doesn't fulfill. It's what money can do for us. And so that's right. you hit it. You, you learned it early. I, I feel yeah. fortunate to have also had a similar experience early where all of a sudden I had this realization, well, I'm making all this money, but it's, what was it all for? Yeah, right. I still want to make a lot of money and I'm still going yeah. to, and I think you're oh, still going to. Very, but very you, much. You found, you, found, you found a reason to be fulfilled and to enjoy life. So, Greg, talk to me a little bit about some of your keystone habits. What are some of the things that you do every day or you, you do on a regular basis you think make a big difference in your life? That might be a morning routine. That might be an yeah. afternoon. might be a night. Can I tell us a little bit? Oh, more? yeah. I love habits. I just got done reading this killer book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. recommend all the listeners read it. It's very good. Um, so, I'm a big believer in habits. And um, so I'll talk about my favorite habit and the one I've been doing the last year. And it's from Ray Dalio's book principles. And it's just reflecting on what goes on. That's a great book. So reflecting on what happened. So I'm like, you know, I'm a type A person, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I do a lot of activities. I have a lot of things going on. And I, I have the habit now every Sunday for the most part, I reflect on everything, you know, the numbers, you know, what worked, what didn't work, what was the root cause of that? What could I have done better? And I look at everything from a high level perspective. It's almost like I'm taking a look into my business and I even do this in my personal life and other things I'm trying to work on. And I look down and I say, okay, like, was this productive? Did you spend your time? Well, spending time to reflect on the things that you, that, that matter most to you, right? They could be reflecting on things that are going to lead you toward your goals. They could be reflecting on things that you're working on to instill new habits. So the first thing I do is I spend a lot of time reflecting. Actually, every time something goes south, either in business or in personal life or whatever, I train myself, and I've learned this from Ray Dalio, to reflect on that in the moment as the emotion's happening instead of react. And uh, like, long story short, like this happened to me, I was in Hawaii. And um, basically, like, it just situation happened. It wasn't anything crazy, but like, instead of me like getting all like upset about it, it was very embarrassing. Um, and I was very like, Oh man, this sucks. I'm embarrassed. And I reflected on that situation. I learned from it. What can I do better? What was the issue here? What I probably had the wrong expectations. And I got so much value from that. Just simple reflection because I, I decided to reflect on it instead of react to it and be all bummed out about it. Um, so besides reflecting, I'm a big believer in, in, in just having a good morning routine, setting yourself up for success. So I like to get up, you know, every day in between like 4:40 and 5 a.m. Uh, for the most part, and read. Um, have a nice shower. Uh, I always like to turn around and, and write my goals down. Um, read some affirmations. Nothing crazy, woo-woo, but just like more like, hey, you know, just just very basic affirmations. You're going to build a strong business. You're going to have the right mindset, stuff like that. Uh, and then I, uh, after that, I, I have some coconut water. And then if I can get that morning routine dialed in, you know, it's almost like the morning is like the rudder of your day. You have that locked in now. So no matter what happens, I had a good morning. I had a start to my day that was successful. And one more thing that I do, I try not, I try not to do, I'm pretty good at it now, is I don't really look at my phone the first hour and a half of the day. And that's why I get up very early because I don't want to have text messages coming at me and emails and Pinterest stuff. Like I just want to be able to have my 
structure and start the day on offense instead of defense. So reflecting, routines, and not looking at my phone are three habits that I do on a daily basis, and they've been very, very helpful for me and, and just my overall peace of mind on top of business. Those are some powerful things. Those are really powerful. Yeah. I feel like that by having that little foundation every single morning, you, you, you know exactly what you're starting with. And no matter what happens after that, you've got this. You've kicked butt. Exactly. You, yeah. You know it's going to be a good day no matter what. Exactly. Exactly. It's like starting your day up for success. Because when I don't do my morning routine and I get up late, and I'm like, oh, man. You know, it's like you're trying to catch up to the day, opposing the day trying to catch up to you. And it's just, it's very helpful for me. And that some people don't have morning routines and whatever works for people. Everyone's different. Everyone's wired differently and everyone has different ways they do it. But for me, works. Absolutely. So I, I know you personally, so I know a little bit about this, but I mean, what are you going out there doing for fun to celebrate? What are you doing physically to keep your body kind of in line and, and making sure that your mind is as strong as everything? Yeah, for sure. So I'm, I'm big into working out and I'm not like a... I'm not like a big bodybuilder type of guy. I think that's cool stuff. I just really never got into that. But I'm very big on like going out and I uh, went on a, like going on cool trips, doing having cool experiences. I just was in Hawaii a couple of weeks ago. But for the most part, I'm always big into working out. And I think like, you know, the way that you could approach health and fitness and eating, I'm very big on eating properly within reason. Obviously, I'm not like crazy about it, but you know, for the most part, I eat pretty well. And just, just aligning your, your health goals and your fitness goals and, and, and making them just as important as your, your wealth and your money and business goals. Because like the more exercise you can get, there's like scientific studies that shows like it's going to make you smarter. It's going to make you more creative. The more better food you put in your brain, it's going to give you more energy. So when you're grinding out sales calls or when you're trying to do advertising campaigns, if you got a good running in the morning and you ate a good breakfast, it's going to just, your energy level, like your, your Tony Robbins talks about this, your energy is just going to go up. You're going to have more energy. You're going to be more alert. So I, I'd like to work out about six days a week. Um, you know, nothing crazy. Work out about 30, 40 minutes a day. You know, do some cardio, some pull-ups, uh, some planks. I do a lot of stretching. And I, I always try to really tie fitness into my life because that was something that I did a lot of when I was playing hockey. And it's funny, I thought, like when I was done playing hockey, I'm like, oh, why don't I work out? I'm not going to play hockey anymore. But now it's like, no, fitness is like a lifelong thing. You have to be on your fitness. So that's something I do a lot of. I like hiking. Um, I like traveling. And I like just going out and networking. And, 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 you know, moving across the country wasn't easy. So, you know, I've had to build a, a network out here. And, you know, I think now with the internet too, you can build networks online. And it's uh, some people like you meet in person for the first time. You've been hanging out with them online for eight months. They're like, oh, crap. You're a real person. Oh, yeah. Look at that. You know, I know the feeling. Yeah. Move, movements are really key piece. And yeah. uh, I think that you got to move for your mind to be right. You, you need to, to get that blood moving. You got to get that oxygen pump in. You're just going to feel a lot better. It's, it's ironic after you get done with a workout, you're actually more energized. Than, so much energized. Than before. Yeah. It's great. You're just, you feel so, and like, you know, I, I like running a lot. So I'll go on the treadmill and I'll run a mile, mile and a half, two miles, three miles. And you, I get so many good ideas when I'm running. I get good ideas when I'm going for walks and when I'm not in the office because like it stimulates your creative senses or in your shower. Like there's so many, I get so many good ideas when I'm not actually at the office, you know, doing something. I'm out there exercising, being creative, you know, and it's just it's very helpful for me. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Greg, this has been amazing. This has been fantastic. Let's fire through the, uh, the growth rapid fire questions here. We got a couple good ones for you. Greg, how many books did you read so far this last year? I know you've been putting out book reviews like every single day. <laughs> every, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I do a lot of book reviews. I read a lot. I read, um, 
you know, and I, I make reading a habit. So I, I read in the morning, I read at night, I read audiobooks. I, I read probably a book a week. So, I mean, that's 52 books a year. Um, and that, that's pretty, I mean, I'm not saying that just to sound cool. Like I, I straight up read a book a week. If you ask anyone who's close to me, they'll say that dude reads a book a week, no matter what. So that's between great. that, if it's either that or an audiobook. So, um, yeah, about 52 books a, a year at this pace. So reading all those books, what, uh, what is one that you believe has maybe impacted your life the most? It's hard to pick one, of course, yeah, which yeah, one yeah. do you, which one do you think is jumping out at you right now that you're the most excited yeah. about? The compound effect by Darren Hardy, because it's very, I, I, I'm a, like, if you hang out with me, you probably, people would realize I'm not the, the genius, right? But I like simple things, right? Because simple things are easy to execute. The book, The Compound Effect is such a simple book about success. And when I say success, it doesn't have to be making a jillion bucks. It's anything. You got to be consistent. You got to have habits. You got to be aware of your choices. You got to understand that the more habits you can build, the easier it is to get momentum. The more momentum you have, it's easier to achieve things, you know? And then the more your associations, it's a very simple book. It talks about basically choices, habits, momentum, associations, and I forget the last part, but it's just about being aware of what you do every day. And, and you could use this compound effect system with anything, right? Like this is actually, this is actually from the compound effect. This is the weekly rhythm register Look that I've been that. using for three and a half years now. And it's just a list of everything you need to do that needs to get done with a check mark next to it. And I just check it off as I do them. So I recommend the compound effect if people haven't listened to it. Um, or read it, I would recommend you do it. If you've even listened to it or read it, I would read it again because I'm a big believer in not only reading a book once, but studying the books you get the most value from. The reason I've been able to get very good at sales is I had pretty good men- I have pretty good mentor, John Martinez, but I've studied the great sales books, you know, never split the difference. I've probably listened or read that book, you know, 25 times, right? Between chapters and certain things I would do in that book, I rinse and repeat stuff. And I, I, I try to make that information like, part of my subconscious. So if I had to recommend one book, it would be the compound effect for sure. Especially if you're still love it. I am. Uh, I'm going to check that one out. I have not read oh, that one yet. So good. Yeah. 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 You'll like it. So tell me, Greg, what's your purpose? Why do you do what you do? What makes you get up every day and, and go after these dreams? Yeah. Um, you know what? I just, I, uh, I just, it's life's not a dress rehearsal. You know, you only get one shot at this. And I, I think, um, you got to understand, you know, you need to, you should value your time and understand that um, all you really have is time and all you really have is the present moment. So I'm always just trying to maximize my time. I'm trying to get more aware of living in the present because the present is really all you have. The future is an illusion. The past is an illusion. All you can do is the present moment. Like right now, the only thing that I'm doing right now is having this conversation with you. And that's the only thing that could possibly happen right now. And then in 10 minutes, when I'm interviewing you on my show, that's going to be the same thing. So just really being intentional about what I do, um, building my life and, and trying to make it uh, the best life possible in all areas of my life, you know, business-wise, family-wise, whatever, health, fitness, et cetera, giving back, and just trying to squeeze as much juice as I can out of everything. So being intentional about uh, why I'm doing things and, and, and just um, not really ha- being able to have a lot of regrets for the most part. I love that. That's powerful. So who inspires you to live your best life every single day, Greg? Um, I would say right now, um, my family, you know, my family, my friends, uh, my network, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty young dude. I don't have like a wife and kids yet, but probably my family back home, my close friends. Um, so they, 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 they you know, they, they fire me up and, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to, to be able to, to, um, you know, I wouldn't say provide for them, but be able to like have them say, like, Oh, Greg's doing good. You know, he's achieving stuff and he's, he's doing his thing. So I think it's probably my family, my friends and, and your network business partners. You always want to make sure that, you know, you don't let them down and you're, you're 
accountable to them. So for sure, that that's probably the answer for now. That's great. What what mentors are present in your life that inspire you to live your best life yeah. every day? Yeah, great, great question. So I think mentors are very, very powerful. Um, and and here's something that actually is, talks about in the compound effect. It's you know a lot in person mentors are great. You know people listening to this right now are getting mentored by Stephen and I right now for free on iTunes. It's a pretty good deal, free. Anyway, uh, but so so you're getting mentored right now. Mentoring is going on everywhere. I think the more closer association you can, you can have with a mentor, the better. So if you're in a mastermind or a coaching program, or if you can interact with someone on a personal level, that's the key. But there's also another way you can get mentored, and that's through books. So I'll give you an example. One of the mentors that I've been getting mentored by is this guy named Jim Randall. He wrote a book called Confessions of a Real Estate Entrepreneur, one of my all-time favorite books. I've been studying that book uh, for the last couple months now, and it's already made me you know, money because just from ideas in this book. So he's been a guy who's been mentoring me uh, virtually. You know, I watch his YouTube videos and I read his books. I study his books. I'm going to try to get a face-to-face meeting next time I'm back on the East Coast. He's out of Connecticut. So uh, I've been learning a lot from Jim Randall. He's a commercial investor and he's a big value ad guy. And um, that guy, I could say, almost has almost changed my life and I've never actually had a real conversation with him. So uh, Jim Randall out in Westport, Connecticut, if you're listening, you've helped me a ton, my man. <laughs> I love that. That's impactful. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Some of my best and favorite mentors I've never met. Never uh, met. I've, <laughs> you know, spent a lot of time and I feel like I know them because you listen exactly. or you, yeah. you read about them. You, you feel like you're a part of their life, but they just don't even know it yet. Some, mm-hmm. Someday maybe you'll meet them. Exactly. And if you don't, yeah. That's it. It's so true. One more mentor I got to shout out is, is Brian Tracy. I mean, if you guys haven't heard of Brian Tracy, my goodness, he wrote about a jillion books. The guy is an absolute rock star, personal development, sales, anything, time management. So Brian Tracy and Jim Randall, those guys have changed my life and I've never actually met with them in person yet. I love that. I love Brian Tracy. So Greg, tell us where can people find out more about you, get in touch with you, check out your podcast or other things. Yeah, absolutely. So a couple ways. Um, so you could do the, the, you can go to pave the way podcast.com. I have a podcast out uh, show a week uh, interview style like this. You can uh, reach me on Instagram, G R E G O underscore 37. So that's Grego 37. Uh, and then another way you can get a hold of me is uh, you can check out my company, Velocity House Buyers. Uh, so you can go to velocityhousebuyers.com. It's our home buying company. Uh, you know, we got a number on there. If you want to call up, maybe you want to do a deal with us or you got to, you know, be an investor or something like that. Feel free to reach out to me any way you can. Probably the best way to get in touch with me is DM me on Instagram. That's, I'll respond to you the quickest that way. Um, so, uh, yeah, hope, uh, hope you guys can get in touch with me. That's awesome. I'm so grateful to have you here, Greg. Grateful to call you a friend and excited to come out and hang out in San Diego with you. Right on, brother. Days. Let's let's <laughs> all do uh let's all jump into your podcast app. Go hit the subscribe button on this podcast. Then let's search for Pave the Way for Greg. You're definitely going to want to check that out. Greg is awesome. It only gets better the more you listen to him, the more you learn from him. So thank you guys so much for being with us today. Thank you, Greg. And uh, we look forward to uh, the next one. Awesome. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level.